Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have John O'Neill on the line, and he's the Vice President of Sales over at RippleShot. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here. So I'm excited to get more into what you're doing over at RippleShot, but before we do that, let's get a little bit more into your background. So how did you get started in business and in your career? Well, great question. Uh, so, uh, let me let me take you back to the '90s. I I was a petroleum engineer, believe it or not. Kind of a kind of a strange uh, thing to be doing, but not in the '90s. Uh, I was a petroleum engineer. I just uh, I just graduated and had gone to work for a company called Amico Oil. It doesn't even exist anymore. I get found out by British Petroleum. But uh, I, I did the the one thing you should never do as a, as a um, you know, as, as, a, as a fresh out uh, grad school, I fell in love with a girl from California. Uh, she was, uh, <laughs> I know, right? All all tales of uh, of, of strange life choices uh, begin begin that way, I think. But uh, uh, I had just finished. I'm, I'm a Canadian. I came down to the United States to finish up my grad grad school. I got hired right out of school to go to you know do a, a, a big data modeling for Amico. But in my last semester, I met a girl from California, and she was uh, she was leaving the country. To do a, a one-year teaching position in uh, in Belgium, so I, I walked away from all of that. Uh, I asked her to marry me. I, I left uh, I left behind a, 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 a promising career as a petroleum engineer. Moved to Belgium uh, for a year. Had a great time. You know, we lived as newlyweds in Belgium. So I came back to the University of Illinois, smack dab in the middle of of uh, you know of, of uh, Champaign, Illinois, in the middle of, of the cornfields, with a, with a degree in uh, you know in sort of petroleum engineering and chemical engineering. And sort of looking around while my wife's finishing her, you know, four years of her PhD, what am I going to do there? So I ended up, believe it or not, sort of answering the phones for a small, a tiny little software company uh, that was in Champaign, Illinois. I was just, I was just working tech support for them, answering phones. I was, I was happy to get the job. Uh, I, I kept trying to explain to people what the company did. I, uh, my poor mother was trying to understand. She kept saying, what does this company do again? I kept going over and over trying to explain what it was. No one got it. Uh, and then Microsoft bought our first product and renamed it Internet Explorer 1.0. And after that, everybody understood what we did. The company that I just sort of lucked into out of nowhere, I was, I was employee number 15, was a company called Spyglass that was the first company to ever build and commercialize uh, a, a commercial web browser. We were in competition with Netscape. We went public before Netscape. I didn't even know what a stock option was, but uh, by the time I'd been working there for well, like 11 months, I had stock options worth uh, well over half a million dollars. So, and they and they just kept jumping they, and they kept growing. So not not bad for a kid from Canada, you know, 28 year old from Canada who who sort of stumbled backwards into, into the middle of the you know one of the most exciting tech booms in you know the 20th century. So all of that, as you can imagine, led me away from uh, led me away from petroleum engineering. I have been doing internet software development, internet software uh, sales ever since. 
Wow, that's uh, that's quite a story, and I was and I had to bite my tongue because you you baited me on the fall in for a girl from California. I was like, nope, I'm not going to comment on that one. Um, we're gonna just we're just gonna keep this interview uh, rolling. Uh, so so I didn't fall for your trap, John, but I appreciate you laying it. Um, that being said, there are you know there's. Quite a few. I love that your your background. First of all, definitely a technical guy. Um, your um, your you know what you studied, and I love the fact that you're in sales. Because, um, that being said, for me, sales, software sales, um, all of you know, especially when we think about SaaS products, when we think about all these different products that are coming out, the sales force is so important. So a lot of times, I, you know, when young entrepreneurs come to me and they're like, you know, where should they start their experience? When I was coming out of school, I I always recommended financial services because that was the big big ball game and that was was a big player at that time. Now I'm like, man, if I could, do, if I was coming out of school right now, I'd be thinking about sales and I'd be thinking about what's going on in technology, which you're right in the middle of, regardless of what niche in technology you choose. It's just that overall concept of being able to deliver a message, even just deliver a demo properly to, you know, to, to provide value and, and, you know, scale your business. Um, what kind of advice, John, would you give to that new entrepreneur, even that new college grad that's thinking about a career in sales and going into software and the kind of breaking into the industry? Yeah, fantastic question. And and I guess the first piece of advice would be, you know, don't listen to Adam and, 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 and get that degree in finance because I, that's, you know, I have a fantastic, you know, I, I had a really fantastic education at the University of Illinois and it was very tech heavy. But when I came out, um, you know, for the last 25 years, I looked back and thought, Boy, if only you know, if only I had a little bit more interest in, in you know the finance side of things, I think it could have strengthened strengthened um, you know what I had to learn all along. You know, strengthened what I've been through the last 25 years. You can pick up the tech side if you're interested in it. I think it is harder to learn the fundamentals of of you know good financial learning what a good balance sheet is. I ended up uh, running a company as a CEO, and I had to learn all that by the seat of my pants. Uh, so you know, don't 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 belittle that that financial background you had. I, I'm sure that it served you well. I, I know that I look over at the folks I work with every day who have that in their background, and you know, I had to learn it uh, by hook or by crook. Uh, you know, tech can be very sexy. Tech can be very alluring, but most of what you're going to really use day to day, you know, sort of the in-depth understanding of what's going on in the industry, the you know, the the savviness with computers, a lot of that you can pick up as you go. It is harder in the industry to pick up the kind of good fundamentals, you know, in, in everything from accounting to, you know, to basic, how to, you know, how to, how to grow and run a, a P&L, uh, you know, it's harder to pick that up on the go. So I, I do admire those folks like you who had sort of had the fortitude and, and the, you know, and the, uh, and the insight to, to get that background first, to get that backing, uh, because I think, I think the rest of it you can kind of put together as, as you put together a career. That's awesome. Um, let's switch it up a bit, John. Let's get into what you're doing over at RippleShot. So first, tell me a little bit more about the company, please. Absolutely. So RippleShot is a financial services company. We're what we call a fintech company. We are um, in the field of machine, sort of machine intelligence and machine learning. We do we provide services to banks and credit unions that allow them to take their existing data, you know, take the data that they have, all their customer card data and use it to predict which cards in their portfolio are at the highest level of risk of going fraud. You know, fraudulent, you know, fraudulent cards is something that every one of us deals with almost every day. If, you, if you've had a payment card, a debit card or a credit card or even a commercial credit card for any period of time, more than a few years, 
you know, you've either you've been exposed to it or or you know or you know about somebody who's been exposed to it. It's a fact of all of our lives. But for banks and credit unions, it's it's a it's a, a constantly growing concern and a constantly growing cost of business. So being able to make really intelligent choices about how to how to handle those risks and how to reduce and minimize that fraud can can really impact the bottom line for a bank and credit union. That's what RippleShot does. We teach banks how to take the data that they already have, the data you know that's in in you know as, as part of their business, and use it to dramatically reduce the fraud. Are there any kinds of, uh, and I know this is a broad question, but I mean it specifically from your day-to-day, because uh, you, you have a unique vantage point. Are there any kind of trends that you're noticing in security or data management that you care to comment on just in general? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, we're, we're a machine learning company, and we deal with big data. And those, these are two big buzzwords, right? I mean, everybody's talking about, oh, big data is, is going to change health. It's going to change everything. but that's not just rhetoric. I see that in a way that um, you know that, that sort of gives me some insight, some glimpse into what's going on in in finance over the next 15, 20 years. When people ask me, "Hey, what's what's hot? You know, what's what's you know what's sort of underrated today?" I tell them the banking sector. I sat in a meeting today with Chase, you know, Chase Bank, you know, one of the largest banks in the world, and they were talking to a, you know a potential policyholder. And one of the things this, this guy was asking was, "Well, you know, I." What, you know, I, I would like to get a mortgage, but you know my, my income's been up and down. I'm in the startup field. I'm a tech guy. You know, I walked away from a business, and you know, I started my own business. And boy, my my, my predictability of my revenue is, isn't that good. But I would like to be able to buy a house. Am I am I out of luck? And the folks from Chase looked at him and said, Oh, not at all. I mean, we two or three years ago, you would have had you know that might have been a challenge, but nowadays the technology technological tools are there. With you know, with a couple clicks, I can. Get an assessment of what your bank account has been like, what your deposits have been like over the last few years. Get a rating for you on how reliable you are as a credit risk. So this is a, a routine tool that's in the hands of, of everyday bankers today. An assessment of, of how you know how good a client risk is, how good a client is, just based on what their spending patterns are like, what their payment history is like. You don't have to rely anymore on, oh, let's get, let's get a pay stub, you know, let's, let's get a reference for them. You have all of that data at their fingertips. It's all being monetized. We are all being understood every day better and better by the financial institutions that want to know, you know, is John a good, good risk for, you know, to give him a mortgage? Is, you know, what about this guy, Adam? Do we want to, do we want to give him a, uh, Lend them the money to buy a, uh, you know, to buy a, a new car. I mean, what, what is he a good credit risk for for a great new loan? All this stuff is is literally at their fingertips, and, and that was not that was not true even three or four years ago. Man, that's awesome. Um, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of it. It's just, uh, I mean, my 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 three favorite terms: big data, machine learning, and chatbots. Got to throw in the chatbots. I just love them. <laughs> <laughs> I just throw in the chatbots. I could have been. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm like I'm a fan of the chatbots. I don't care. Um, I'm not. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to say it. Chatbot 2020. It's okay. That's my hashtag. <laughs> I don't care. It's good. Um, no, but I love what you're saying, though, because to me it, it is. And when we think about healthcare and how all 
of these industries kind of intertwine and, and I mean and especially for healthcare and financial services it just becomes um, we're all affected by them um, whether it's because we you know we use money to exchange you know for goods or healthcare because we're all aging at the we're all aging and we're all yeah, going to need it at some way shape or form in the future if we're not already using services so all of these things are in my opinion just adding to a better long-term quality of living for all of us. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, John, if somebody's listening to this and they want more information on RippleShot, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out? Well, um, obviously, you know, our, our website is there. Uh, and, you know, there's a great shiny picture of everybody in the company. There's a there's a picture of me and, and the staff team. Uh, my email is not that hard to guess. It's just you know John O'Neill at RippleShot.com. Love to love to chat with you. I am you know obviously very interested in, in the feedback and what people think about this. This is my business. Trying to understand you know what people think about you know what people think about big data and what people think about how all this data is being used is important to me. So you know we're, I'm very interested in what in you know in people's opinions on that topic. It is a uh, it is an enormously dynamic field out there today. And, you know, over the next 5, 10, 15 years, uh, you know, we're, we're going to learn very powerful new ways to tap into all this data that's available and everybody, you know, everybody, everything from traffic pattern. You know, how, how did, uh, you know, how does, uh, how does Adam get to work every day and how, how does it change up for him? You know, all that data, believe it or not, is stored. Uh, we, we just not tapped very much. It will be, uh, you know, it will be monetized. Companies will learn how to take that data that exists on all of us and you know and, and turn that you know turn that to their benefit. A lot of people are very scared of this for privacy concerns and with good reason. But for the most part, people monetize, people make money by offering you something of value. So the future, the, the near future, the next five, 10, 15 years, companies are going to find a way of value unique to you by understanding you better, by deeply, profoundly understanding you better. And that, that means a lot. That means, you know, that, that doesn't just mean that we're going to get, you know, coupons and you know, a text message because we drive by, you know, we drive by a muffler shop. I'm talking about deep understanding of the kind of things that you want or might not know that you need. There are ways to predict, you know, uh, literally what your health needs are going to be in the next few, you know, in the next uh, few years before you, before you acknowledge them or admit them to yourself. All of these things are very real trends, and companies are going to make money off of them. So I think it's very exciting. Fantastic. Uh, well, hey, John, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your background and all the great work you're doing over at Ripple Shot. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, John, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you.